Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Thursday, which means Palm Sunday is right around the corner. Um, some know it also as uh, Passion Sunday or Sunday of the Passion. We're going to talk about that mm-hmm. in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Dustin Beck. He's pastor at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. He's the pastor with a teepee in the front yard uh, and uh, <laughs> likes to camp out every once in a while. Pastor Beck, welcome to the Coffee Hour. That is the most unique introduction I've ever received. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you're a unique guest, so I think well, that deserves a unique introduction. Okay. Was it the front yard or the backyard? I can't remember. It, it was the front yard. Yeah. yeah, we've got a dog in the backyard, so we went ahead and went with the front yard for that. <laughs> I love it. Camp it out in the front yard. It's a great yeah, season. Random. It. It's great. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Speaking of seasons, uh, we are approaching Holy Week, and uh, the, this Sunday is Palm Sunday. Some also refer to it as Sunday of the Passion or Passion Sunday. Is there a difference? What, what's the difference between these two? Uh, so as far as our usage, um, yeah, they're basically going to overlap with each other. Uh, slightly different focus, uh, but uh, the the two Sundays are really, uh, it's the same Sunday. Um, and that's going to, uh, your, your experience will basically uh, be determined by kind of the congregation that you attend and their usage. Um, it's one of those, uh, you know, it's kind of neither forbidden nor commanded, whether it be Passion <laughs> Sunday, whether it be Palm Sunday, you, you get some freedom there. Um, and so this winds up usually being sort of the pastor and the organist's usually their decision uh, as far as what's going to be the emphasis of the uh, the service. But so the, the two emphases basically are this. Uh, you've got, of course, Palm Sunday, uh, the Sunday before Easter, when Jesus enters triumphantly um, uh, into Jerusalem there on the on the colt, the foal of the donkey, etc. Right. And then you've got uh, Passion Sunday, which is sort of it's an I the idea behind Passion Sunday is that you would sort of uh, take a bird's eye view of everything that's coming. Right. Um, It's kind of, you know, buckle up, guys. Uh, Holy Week is upon us. And so you have you don't read the entire uh, scripture passage that deals with all of Holy Week, uh, but you really fix your eyes uh, upon that Good Friday text. A lot of folks, you know, uh, I've, I've heard folks, you know, for years now say, well, the only reason that they do the Passion Sunday as opposed to Palm Sunday is because people don't come to church on Monday, Thursday, Good Friday. And so let's make sure that they hear the Good Friday readings. Let's make sure they hear the Passion account. Um, and so let's let's pull that to Sunday. And then they kind of do this other thing where they take the Palm Sunday reading and they uh, force that over into the first Sunday in Advent, which we that was a couple of months ago. We missed that already, right? Um, so we're not going to talk about that today. But um, just they kind of say, you know, for the sake of the folks that will not be attending, because unfortunately a lot of people don't come to weekly uh, weekday services. You know, let's make sure that we have the passion in front of them. There's actually a, a more historic usage uh, as far as Passion Sunday goes. I mean, it, it goes back probably about a thousand years um, to this um, this idea of. Um, you get into a season called Passion Tide, right? That so Lent is kind of fading into the Passion season, the Passover season, the Holy Week season, and uh, so that's I mean, 
if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty, um, it actually it predates this idea of, well, people don't come to church, you know, during the week. So let's make sure that they have the cross at some point. Um, it's it's a lot older than that. Uh, but the idea would be that um, what is the point of Palm Sunday? The point of Palm Sunday is Good Friday and Easter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Palm Sunday is kind of. It's one of those Sundays that we kind of get a little bit triumphant. We get, you know, Jesus coming in on a donkey and there's kind of this, uh, there's almost this, you know, his victory has already been won kind of an idea. Um, but I think that at least as far as the gospel texts for the uh, Palm Sunday, that's a false victory. That's a false hope because the people there are expecting, wow, you know, everything's happening. Jesus is coming into, you know, the, the, he's coming into David's royal city. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now. You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, but I don't think anyone there who's strewing their strewing who's casting their their cloaks onto the ground and palm branches and waving them like foam fingers. I don't think that anybody there is really expecting what happens just five short days later. I, I, I don't think that that's where their heads are. And so we would do well as Christians today um, to not get caught up in the necessarily that false expectation that says, ah, Jesus is coming to kick out the Romans. Jesus is coming to usher in, you know, a... Um, you know, kind of golden age where uh, everything's going to be nice and wonderful c- for Christians. Um, that's that's maybe kind of a little bit of the paradox of Palm Sunday is that Jesus comes into his own uh, and his own will reject him. Uh, they will shout, crucify him, crucify him with the very same uh, breath that they shout Hosanna in the highest. So did that answer your question? I, I don't <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't quite remember what the question was. <laughs> Yes, I think so. And and I was going to ask you about the the historical differences, but you kind of already already talked about that. Um how how do we normally observe Palm Sunday or Sunday of the Passion in our churches? Sure, yeah. So, um one of the things that a lot of churches will do is um there's actually a separate rite in our most recent hymnal, um the uh, Lutheran service book, uh and so that involves a uh, Palm Sunday processional. Uh, which is just a, a very brief uh, rite or service uh, at the beginning before the confession and absolution. Um, and it involves um, gathering, uh, at least at, at many churches, uh, at the rear of the nave where you would uh, traditionally process in. Um, there is uh, sort of a there's a prayer at the beginning. Um, you have uh, the Palm Sunday reading of Jesus entering um, triumphantly again. Uh, and then we we uh, go forth. Um, at my previous congregation, uh, they actually had the tradition. They had a very large narthex at the back of the church. Um, and so the entire congregation would wow. gather back at the back. Um, and they had uh, we had a, a member who owned a nursery. And so they made sure that every person got a palm branch, um, a full-blown, like, three-foot-long palm branch. These things were huge. Um, and then we all process in as we sing uh, one of the um, traditional Palm Sunday hymns, All Glory, Laud, and Honor. So we would walk in, uh, you know, following the cross, uh, the, the processional cross there, um, the pastor, and then all of the people would walk in and they would plant their palm uh, branches right on the front uh, of the altar steps. And then they'd kind of peel around to the side and go back to their seats. Uh, but especially uh, in, a, in my current congregation, the children will do that because, um, mm-hmm. of course, the uh, all glory, laud and honor has that uh, that repeated uh, frame, all, glo- uh, all glory, laud and honor to the Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children 
made sweet hosannas ring. So you kind of have this idea that it's it's a multi generational thing. It's the idea of um, of everyone coming together to celebrate. Um, we actually have the advantage of understanding why we're celebrating, why we're gathering, um, and so it's not just you know we're excited for the sake of being excited, but we we understand um, the deep love that Jesus has for us and. Um, Jesus understands why he's entering Jerusalem, and so we can have the opportunity to enter into that as well. I can hear Hosanna, loud Hosanna in uh, <laughs> in my head too. Anytime maybe we yeah, talk that's about another good one. Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Now you mentioned using palm branches in uh, your congregation. Um, do you? I, I've heard of some congregations saving the palm branches from Palm Sunday. Uh, letting them dry out throughout the year and then using them for the ashes, um, burning them on Shrove Tuesday for yes. Ash Wednesday. Is that Absolutely. something? Is that a pretty common tradition? Um, you know, I I know. Uh, let's see. It probably depends on the circles you run in. Uh-huh. A lot of pastors do that. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to be honest. I mean, a lot of my friends uh, who are pastors uh, they do this, and, and so I've got a, a place on a, on a shelf. In my office, I've got a, a, a nice uh, uh, painted uh, uh, picture of Jesus. And so uh, on Palm Sunday, right after worship, uh, I usually take three palm branches um, and just kind of put those uh, around that that uh, that portrait of Jesus. And then, uh, yeah, sure enough, uh, the night before uh, Ash Wednesday, uh, go and make a small fire and just burn those things up. And, uh, you know, th- about three uh, palm branches will, will will more than cover it. Um, I also know a couple of people who just uh, literally order palm you know palm ash from one of the church supply companies. But eh, there's <laughs> there's a, a little bit something maybe more significant about uh-huh. uh, the palms that were waved um, you know there on um, on Palm Sunday, uh, sitting you know there for a year and then uh, coming up uh, again next year at Ash Wednesday. That kind of ties things together. It's it's kind of like that. Um, that practice that I've heard of in a lot of congregations. Um, and I, th- I think the congregation that I currently serve has done this in the past. We haven't done it this year or last year, but uh, they take the, uh, the, the, the trunk from the Christmas tree, right? Huh. Um, they allow it to dry out. Um, I, I know when we've done it, it dried out in uh, one of the members barns and then he comes in and he, uh, he lops off the, uh, the, the branches and actually fashions that into a, um, uh, a rough hewn cross for Good Friday. Whoa. So uh, it's it's amazing the kinds of things that we do in the church that you know if you if you don't if you don't know where they come from or why we do those things you just kind of say, oh that's it's that's a nice looking cross right. Uh, but if if you actually see kind of that deeper symbolism that this this was the Christmas tree that we were we were celebrating the birth of Christ and and now we have uh, the idea that. Um, you know, Jesus goes to the cross for us, and and that's the reason that He took on flesh, that He was incarnate on our behalf. Wow! I don't know. That's don't know. so yeah. cool. Yeah, isn't that neat? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're going to talk more about uh, Palm Sunday and Sun- uh, Passion Sunday in just a moment. We're talking with Pastor Dustin Beck of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. 
You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Thursday, talking about Palm Sunday. It's coming up this Sunday. We're talking with Pastor Dustin Beck of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Pastor, what makes this Sunday unique in the church year? Oh, well, I think that this is, um, <clears throat> there are several Sundays uh, that kind of stand out, but you asked what makes it unique, so I got to answer that question. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to be flip. Uh, just, just sure. Uh, I, I enjoy y'all's show because this is this is like a, a laid back conversation. I'm not. Don't feel like I'm being interrogated. Um, no, just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> there are several Sundays in the church year uh, that kind of stand out as you know. I'll go ahead and just call them you know sort of mountaintop experiences. Uh-huh. I think the last time that I was on with you guys, uh, we were talking about hobbies. So I'll go ahead and share this uh, this one thing with you. Um, a couple of months ago, I had the opportunity to climb Guadalupe Peak, the tallest uh, mountain in Texas. And when you're on top of a mountain like that, um, you can literally see everything. You can figuratively see everything. You know what I mean? You can't see all the things. But so I think that this Sunday is one of those Sundays where you are on a mountaintop, even though you're in Jerusalem and it's not the biggest mountain in the world. You can see all of the stuff. Right. Uh, from Palm Sunday, um, we are looking to Monday, Thursday. As soon as you hear those texts, as soon as you are um, are, are there on the uh, the road into Jerusalem, you know exactly where Jesus is going. This is one of those things where um, if kind of like when you start the creed. Right. Um, you just kind of everybody in the room knows exactly what comes next. It's the same way with Holy Week. Um, as soon as you uh, hear Jesus say, uh, hey, you go get a donkey. You're like, oh, my goodness. You know, in just a few verses, we're going to be in the upper room. Right. A few verses after that, Jesus is going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas is going to come up and kiss the guy. Uh, then they're going to drag him off and everything else is just going to happen. Right. So I think that this is uh, it's a unique Sunday for that reason, because even more so than Transfiguration, in which we get uh, that literal mountaintop experience, that glimpse of the glory of Christ. Uh, I think that here on the Sunday of the Passion, we are uh, in a place where it's all sort of downhill from here like uh, there's no turning back jesus has uh has crossed the rubicon right he is there and so all that's left to have happen is well kind of the most important stuff that has ever happened right you've got jesus going uh to the cross directly from here um and then of course uh winning salvation coming back jesus rising again um, I'm not going to say the Easter word that we kind of silenced during the season of Lent, but you guys know where we're going, right? Um, it, it's kind of all left. Uh, all that's left is the is the shouting. So here we go. Uh, I think that's kind of, uh, I, I don't know if that directly answered your question, but when I think of the Sunday of the Passion, I think that's that's kind of the thing that makes it stand out is that once we get to Palm Sunday, um, it is it is go time, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the kickoff for the rest of the week. We, yes, we, exactly. we have that foundation and, and we know where we're going and, and we're, we kind of just like, 
you hit the ground running to get there, which is oh, yeah. kind of nice. <laughs> oh yeah. So what are, what are some of the readings that we will hear on this Sunday? Well, that honestly is going to depend on your church. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So um, we've we've always uh, within our, our our Lutheran circles, we've always got kind of the the three year, the one year lectionary, right? Which is just it's it's kind of an interesting thing. We've got um, uh, many churches that use the three year lectionary, and and we've got many churches now that are also using the one year historic lectionary, right? The older uh, lectionary that predates Vatican II, that goes back, um, I, I mean, even into the days of Luther and things like that. But now, even within uh, the three year lectionary, you're going to have, uh, and I'm I'm looking at it here on my, um, you know, my. Uh, my lectionary guide. Uh, we've got, first of all, uh, we've got, um, uh, generally we use the triumphal entry uh, text from John's gospel because it never shows up on Advent 1. We talked about that a minute ago, right? Uh, <laughs> so you've got uh, John 12, 12 to 19, uh, which is very similar uh, to the other, uh, the other synop- the synoptics uh, accounts of Jesus's triumphal entry. But then uh, when we start looking at some of the other texts that are here, that are po- uh, potential for us. Uh, we've got Zechariah 9. This is a good text. The coming of the king. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. We've heard this before, right? Um, you kind of get a choice when it comes to uh, the gospel, right? Philippians is just this beautiful text. Have this mind among yourselves. That's our epistle from Philippians 2, uh, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Right? So God gave him the name that is highly exalted um, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So we, we I guess we could say we see um, sort of a prelude to that in the knees bowing on Palm Sunday, right? Because they don't, they don't necessarily bow their knees because Jesus is Lord, uh, but they will. Right. Uh, when Jesus comes again in glory, that's what Paul's talking about there. Then in terms of our gospel, uh, uh, specifically this year, we're in year B. Uh, so you can either have uh, Mark 14 and 15, two full chapters. Right. Mm-hmm. The big long reading. This is longer than a couple of weeks ago when we had Genesis one and part of two. You know, I mean, we we got some text in front of us. And this begins with the plot to kill Jesus, his anointing at Bethany, uh, the Passover with the disciples, the institution of the Lord's Supper. Uh, we've got Jesus in Gethsemane again, uh, the betrayal, the arrest of Jesus uh, before the council, uh, Peter's denial, everything like that. Um, and then the full blown crucifixion account. Right. Or you can go with kind of the shorter account, which begins with Jesus being delivered to Pilate, Jesus being crucified and, and dying. Um, and again, that's a that's a full 47 verses. So it's not a short text. Um, or there's kind of a third option. Very rarely do we get a third option for a text. And again, this is going to depend on sort of uh, where your pastor decides that he's going to preach this year. I've talked with pastors before uh, who who never preach on the full, uh, you know, the full passion account. They just say, I'm going to let Palm Sunday be Palm Sunday, right? And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that because they're going to make the same connections. They're always going to preach Christ and him crucified. Uh, But the final option um, is to continue that John 12 uh, um, Palm Sunday text that we had as the processional text, right? Um, And this is um, when the Pharisees 
uh, in the processional text, they, they say to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone out after him. Well, the gospel continues, and I, I like this because I think it's kind of a beautiful thing. The Pharisees are saying, the whole world has gone out after him. And then the very next thing that happens, now among those who went up to worship at the feast, there were some Greeks. And these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida, and they said, sir, we wish to see Jesus. So you have literally right there the, the prophecy on the lips of these Pharisees, these haters of Jesus, and then you have the fulfillment just a verse later. And Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So you have just kind of that that switch that goes off from um, Jesus comes in uh, and the Pharisees, you know, grumble and say, ah, look, everybody's going after him. And then you have everybody going after him. And Jesus says, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified, which in John's gospel means it's time to go to the cross. Mm -hmm. So. Those are the readings that we have in front of us. Uh, we got a couple of psalms and some introits and things like that as well. Uh, but man, it is uh, there's a ton to preach on here, and that's one of those things that uh, the story never gets old because you know every year you got a, a Palm Sunday slash Sunday the Passion, but there's so much text to cover. There's so many different aspects and elements to it that a pastor could never run out of things to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so moving from the sermon now to yeah. the congregation's response, you already mentioned you know, some some entrance or processional hymns. Uh, what yeah. are some of the hymns that we might sing for this Sunday, Palm Sunday? Um, in our newest hymnal, again, the Lutheran service book, uh, we have four hymns that are sort of set apart for Palm Sunday. You have uh, Ride On, Ride On, and Majesty, uh, which is just this this beautiful tune um, and just a fantastic text talking about um, kind of just the 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 motion of Palm Sunday that we're we're going um, specifically we're going to die right, um, but uh, that from that death comes uh, the power that Jesus ultimately has to reign. Right. So right on, right on in majesty. We talked about uh, just briefly all glory, laud and honor, kind of the the borrowing the the words of praise there of the people there on Palm Sunday. We have Hosanna, loud Hosanna. Uh, Andy, I think you mentioned that one as well. Uh, just a beautiful tune. Right. Uh, these Palm Sunday, uh, it, it almost kind of gives us a, a breather from some of the heavier Lenten tunes that just kind of, you know, seem to be in minor keys and just not as not as chipper. Palm Sunday, maybe uh, we could think of it this way, that it gives us uh, just a, a brief kind of pause as far as the season of Lent and that that penitential reflective season. It gives us a pause to just kind of draw our breath uh, because of the somberness of what's coming for the next several days. Um, and then the last one is uh, is one that's actually new to this hymnal, um, uh, to our Lutheran usage called No Tramp of Soldiers Marching Feet. Right, uh, which is a really, really beautiful tune uh, by Timothy Dudley Smith. So I, I, I like all of these. I think they're just fun, you know, and, and they're they're great tunes to uh, to be uh, used on Palm Sunday by our congregations. Mm-hmm. All good ones. Uh, looking forward to the coming of, or the looking forward to Easter in, in a week. Yeah. How do we prepare for this Sunday? This is. I mean, we're, we're in a, a little bit of a different state this year, looking forward to being together uh, yeah. for Palm Sunday and Easter after last year being in a weird place. How do we prepare ourselves to be coming to this, to this service, looking forward to the rest of Holy Week this year? Well, I think that um, you, you just hit the nail on the head as far as the, the ability that we have to gather is something mm-hmm. that we, 
I pray will never take for granted again, right? <laughs> because um, how many of us can ever remember a year um, that we are not able to have Easter? I mean, Easter is still there, but Easter's different when you're not together. I remember uh, a pastor who was uh, a friend of mine who was not able to be in church on Easter. He got sick. Right. And can you imagine? I mean, that's the that's the, you know, the Super Bowl <laughs> for, for pastors and to not be able to be there, to not be able to be with your flock on that day. Uh, I mean, it was devastating. Yeah. Right. Um, but so this year, especially, I think this is one of those times when, you know, we can clear our schedules. We can make sure, you know, we can we can focus in on the readings. Um, I, I love it when uh, when a congregation, uh, you know, becomes so, uh, so invested that. Maybe they look up the readings for next week, or maybe those are printed in the bulletin. You know, look look ahead uh, in the lectionary. And so that way they can already have those words on the tip of their tongue. That way they can already know what's coming, um, and they can be that much more prepared um, if they have questions about it, if they want to bring something up in Bible class. or uh, you know, I guess the, the biggest thing I would say is be there, right? That's how we can be ready for Palm Sunday and for Easter. Amen. Amen. Pastor Dustin Beck of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Pastor Beck, thanks for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Oh, my pleasure. Y'all take care. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.